As we worship our God this evening and come to God in a time of, of uh, dwelling on His Word, we're going to actually take that psalm that I used throughout the, the uh, congregational prayer and uh, talk about that a little bit. Psalm 19 is one of my favorite psalms. Kind of strange, most people go to Psalm 23, which I love, and Psalm 27, and Psalm 46, and Psalm 100, and the list can go on and on, but for some reason, Psalm 19 has, has become one of my favorite psalms. I think it's because it's a psalm that tells us that God is speaking to us. And I think especially in this day and age, when we're hearing all these other voices and all the voices are disagreeing and arguing and all of that, sometimes we tune out the voice of God. And yet God speaks. And he speaks in a couple of different ways. And that's what I want to look at in Psalm 19. And so the words will be up on the screen, but I will read them for you. Psalm 19 Or first, David says, this is the way God speaks, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course, it rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. It says, look around you. God is speaking. But then all of a sudden, David shifts gears. He says, there's another way God speaks. The law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I would be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's come to God one more time in prayer. Holy Spirit, as you inspire David to write these words, reflecting on how you speak to us, perhaps there are some of us here today that just haven't heard you speaking. And we long to hear you speak, and we long to see you at work. And we live in a world where so much is going on, and sometimes it's hard to see you. 
with all the other things that we're seeing and hard to hear you with all the other things we're hearing. So Holy Spirit, now we pray that you would inspire these words to us. Each one of us needs something from this psalm this evening. And so we pray that you would speak to us through it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt totally removed from God? Does it seem sometimes like there's a divine silence? Maybe it occurs when you're dealing with a lingering illness. Maybe at the loss of a loved one. Perhaps when you're in a broken relationship. Maybe we've been feeling it over these last several months with all of the stuff going on with the coronavirus, but then all of the peripheral things that are going on with people coming at it from one side or another and and politicizing it, not to mention the various other things that have been happening in our world. And sometimes we look for God. We cry out to God only to see and hear nothing. Well, if you've ever felt that way, Psalm 19 gives you hope. Even when God seems silent, He is always speaking in two ways, in his world and in his word. I want to look at those two thoughts for a few moments this evening. First, God always speaks through his world. We live in on a designer label planet. You know, some people like to wear designer label clothing. Like me, I wear my clothing from Target and Kohl's and all of these fancy designers. But if you think about it, there's one great designer of all. And every tree, every star, every baby wears God's designer label. And that's one of the ways God reveals himself. He is the designer of this world. It's what theologians call general revelation. General revelation in that it's available to all. You look out there, it's it's there for you. It's available to everybody. That's what David talks about in the first six verses. He says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The, The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Maybe he chose the heavens because of their utter immensity and boundlessness and mystery. It seems less mysterious nowadays. Moonshots and Voyager missions and high-powered telescopes seem to bring us closer, but yet it seems like the further we go out into space, the more immense we find it. We're still daily confronted with the intricacy and immensity of God's creation. The heavens declare God's glory, David says, The heavens declare God's glory consistently, day after day, night after night. The heavens declare God's glory silently. Yes, it's true. Literally, verse 3 reads, no speech, no language. Their voice is not heard. Yes, the heavens are voiceless, and yet they speak loudly. And they speak universally. Reaching every place on earth, reaching every language, reaching every people. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. 
So what message do the heavens and the earth speak? Paul notes in Romans 1 verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, created, so that men are without excuse. God's eternal power and divine nature are declared so clearly as to leave us without excuse. God is not hidden. Every sight we behold, every sound that rattles our eardrum, every muscle we move, every breath we take speaks of a God who's close to us as our skin. Then he uses the example of the sun. He says, In the heavens he's pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, that picture of, of the bridegroom coming out for his wedding day, all gloriously arrayed waiting to meet his bride with a bright, shining face. If the heavens remind us of God's immensity, the sun reminds us of God's glory. A missionary in a remote country was trying to impress a tribal chief with the nature and character of God. The chief pointed to his idols and said, These are my gods. Now show me your God and maybe I'll believe in him. The missionary explained that God was invisible and and could be seen by no human eye without being blinded. But the chief remained unimpressed. So the missionary replied, Well, I cannot show you my God, but I can show you one of his messengers. Let me blindfold you here in your hut and lead you out into the presence of the great minister of God. The chief agreed and was led blindfolded out of the hut and told to face the sky. When the missionary tore away the blindfold, the chief staggered back, blinded by the blinding light of blazing light of the noonday sun. That's but one of the servants of my God, said the missionary. That's why you can't see him. You know, some in this world respond to the sun by worshiping it. Others See it as merely a coincidence of a big bang. But believers see the sun as a mere creation of a far greater and more glorious God. So during those times of life when God seems silent, and maybe this is one of those times for some of us, we need only look up and around us to see and hear his voice in creation. But there's one problem. Sin. Sin has blurred our spiritual eyes to God's message in creation. His message is clearly written across the universe, but we have impaired vision. Early on in my ministry, I had to come to grips with the fact that I had impaired vision. I refused to believe it for a while, but once I couldn't read the sports scores on the bottom of the TV screen, that was when I realized it was serious. And so I went in for a checkup, and my left eye could only read the top two lines of the eye chart. But prescription glasses aided my impaired vision. John Calvin wrote that we all need the spectacles of Scripture 
the spectacles of Scripture to aid our impaired vision. This is what we call special revelation. If seeing God in creation is his general revelation, but sin has marred that, we need the special revelation of the spectacles of God's Word. It's still available to all, but is only really believed and accepted by those prepared by the Holy Spirit to receive it, to trust the Bible. So the psalmist goes on to describe Scripture. And we could go on and on, and if you want to go on and on and read about this, go to Psalm 119. It seems a lot like these verses we read here, and you get 176 verses to glory in God's Word. But this is a shortened form of that. And David says, describes Scripture's characteristics. He said, the Bible is perfect. It's trustworthy. In a world where there's very little that's trustworthy, the Bible, God's Word, is trustworthy. It's right. It's radiant. It is pure. It is sure and righteous. An absolutely fantastic pair of glasses by which to see God. No deficiencies whatsoever. He also describes Scripture's benefits. It revives the soul. You ever had that? Maybe during this time of coronavirus, you've come across a psalm, read a devotional, and your soul is revived from the truth of God's Word and who He is. It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. Gives joy to the heart. Gives light to the eyes. My eyeglasses only help my eyesight, but God's Word changes lives. Changes lives. And therefore, it has great value. David says, God's Word is, is more precious value-wise than, than the purest gold. It's sweeter than, than honey straight from the bees. I remember first getting my glasses. I think, it was, I think we got them from... A, uh, dispensary in a shopping mall. And I remember in that mall, I think it was in Sioux City, Iowa, picked up the glasses, put them on, started walking around the mall, taking them on and off, amazed at the difference. I can read that sign now. I, I'm sure I bugged Lorinda to death and she didn't understand it, so she finally got glasses. How fascinating. It was fascinating how clear everything became. Have we discovered that about God's Word? Do we constantly search God's Word, seeing how it makes the blur of daily living so much clearer? Have we discovered its value? What does Scripture do for us? David goes on and says, one, it gives us a warning for life. By them, by these words, your servant is warned. Warning in life about things that anger God. Warning in life about the wrong paths to take. But it also gives us promises for life. In keeping them, there is great reward. The, the good things that come for those who live according to God's will. And it gives discernment for life. David says the who can discern his errors? Can any of us really get down 
and, and discern our errors? Can we really look in the mirror and understand where we're wrong? We, we tend to block that out. But the Bible gives us discernment for life. It serves as a mirror to show us where we've sinned. Because without the Word, it's easy to fool ourselves. Early on, I had a, a computer that when I would hit the wrong key, it would beep. And it dried the living daylights out of me. But it helped me correct my mistake. That is until I decided to get smart and turn the sound off. Well, the Bible does that too, unless we turn the sound off, unless we decide not to listen to it. The Bible isn't out to get us. It's out to lead us to repentance and forgiveness. And then finally, to give us guidance for life. It keeps us on the right path from allowing sin to subtly gain control and rule our lives. It keeps us from making the big mistakes. David says, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Are we open to God's law of life as it teaches, rebukes, corrects, and trains in righteousness, as, as Paul said to Timothy was the value of God's word? It may at times say things we don't want to hear, but it helps us live for God's glory. And David ends with a, a wonderful little uh, benediction, if you will. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's interesting, if you compare verse 14 with verse 1, you'll notice a change in reference to God. No longer does David use the generic God, Elohim, he now uses the personal Yahweh, or Lord. And then, if you look closely, you'll find out that, in fact, in the first six verses, he uses God, Elohim. But then when he changes over to talk about the word of God, he uses the more personal Lord. Now, I don't know if this was David's intention. I don't know if this was the Holy Spirit's intention. But... When I think about it, it reminds me that the Word and only the Word can bring us into a personal relationship with the Lord in a way that general revelation, creation, can no longer do because of our sin. And of course, not just the written Word, but especially through the Word become flesh, Jesus Christ. Through Him, God spoke in a very special way. Through Him, God becomes our personal Lord, Yahweh, our covenant Lord, a relationship or Father as we talked about this morning. And then he, he uses a couple of interesting terms for, for God. Rock and Redeemer. Rock is a familiar Old Testament reference to God, but David often talked about God as the one who lifts him high upon a rock, that God is my rock, my fortress, my refuge. But if you think about it, that became the word, rock or stone, became an image, one of the most popular images for Jesus in the New Testament. And it was especially lived out by Jesus in a life of stability. He showed us what it looks like for a human to be a rock in this world. He's the one on whom we can rely. Every time the disciples faced a trial or were scared, Jesus was their rock. 
and he is ours. He gives us strength and support when we need it. But then also Redeemer. Redeemer is another title for God in the Old Testament. But of course, it takes on new meaning in Jesus. God, the Redeemer, redeemed his people from the land of Egypt. Jesus brought about the New Testament salvation story, redemption story. He went to the cross for our salvation, redeemed us, bought us back with his precious blood so we can live forever in relationship with God. Has the word of God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brought us into a closer relationship with him? During the trials in life especially, do we rest on his word and do we rest on Jesus as our rock and our redeemer? Sometimes because of sin, our impaired vision keeps us from seeing God. Our sin-clogged ears keep us from hearing God. When he seems unseen, out of sight and silent, especially at the times we need him most. We need to only open our Bibles and listen to him and his promises and see him in Jesus Christ. We can come to him in prayer and see the word become flesh. And so regardless of what's going on in your life, God speaks. God speaks. We need only listen and respond Sort of as the psalmist did in verse 14. And as we hear his voice and recognize his closeness, this is a natural response for us to pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts, not to mention the actions of our lives, might be acceptable in his sight as we seek to live for his glory. Let's pray that we might. Would you join me? Father God, we thank you that you are not only Father, but you are our rock and our redeemer, especially expressed in Jesus. And that you're the God who speaks. You spoke so wonderfully in creation. You gave us a beautiful world to live in. And now even though our sin has caused us to not be able to truly see you or clearly see you in creation, we thank you that you've given us your word to help us to open our eyes that we might see. We thank you for Jesus and for the fact that he is not only the one who Scripture talks about, who the Word talks about, but he is your Word, your, your final Word spoken to us, a Word that offers salvation and uh, an eternal relationship with you. We thank you for that. And we pray that we might be attentive to your world and to your word and listen to you speak. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a look at the world through the eyes of the word made flesh, Jesus. Beautiful Savior, we're going to sing together. The three stanzas, would you stand as we sing together? Beautiful Savior. Beautiful Savior.